Dragnet. The Jack Benny program. I'm that man. Matt Dillon, United States Marshal. George Burns and Gracie Allen. Good evening, friends of the Inner Sanctum. We offer you Escape. Our Miss Brooks. Suspense. Richard Diamond, Private Detective. Fibber McGee and Molly. The Great Gildersleeve. Yeah. Radio Theater. In the air. Dedicated to man's imagination, the theater of the mind. You know what our call letters WGN stand for, don't you? WGN Radio Theater. The special three-hour presentation with Carl Amari and Lisa Wolf. All right, it's about six minutes after 11 p.m. here on the WGN Radio Theater. Program 412 in the series, August 11th. It's a Sunday night. To my right, the vivacious Lisa Wolf. What's up, Lisa? Hey, Carl, what's up? And look who's over there across the uh, board here. We have uh, Ro. She is our producer. She's amazing. What's up, guys? We're so happy to have you with us tonight. Thank you for being here. Oh, yeah. I'm glad to be here. And Mike Costello's here, too. Hey, guys. How's it going? Wow, look at this. Hey, Mike. What a great crew. Yeah, it's like a party, huh? It is. And I have my new headphones that Mike and Lisa bought me for my birthday. And they were very expensive. Yes. So I will have no uh, teasing this year about Gosh, the birthday gifts. My dulcet tones sound even more dulcet. Uh, I can't even stand these it. Headphones. <laughs> you sound so good. I don't know what I'm going to do. <laughs> we have sci-fi on the agenda. We have a sci-fi weekend. So we have an hour-long Lux Radio Theater presentation of The Day the Earth Stood Still, starring Mike. Michael Rennie and Gene Peters from 1954. We'll play that in four parts throughout the course of our two-hour show. So make sure you listen to a good sci-fi radio adaptation of a famous sci-fi movie, The Day the Earth Stood Still. But right now we're going to play our game, Is It Real or Is It Ridiculous? Yes, we are. And the celebrity is Ted Danson. Ted Danson. You know him and love him. Oh, yeah. And we're going to be giving away the Lumel Nadi's gift certificate oh, for gosh. $25. And doesn't wow. that sound delicious? What caller would you we're like? We're going to go with caller number three. You can call right now at 312-981-7200. Call now and we'll be right back. Come on, baby. Let's get ridiculous. We have Joe on the phone to play a little real or ridiculous. Hey, Joe. Hey, guys. How's it going? Okay, how you doing? Terrific. Hi, Joe. All hey, right. hey, Carl. Hey, what's up? Let's do this. Let's get you a pizza. All right, well, you already want a pizza, but we're going to have a little fun first. Okay, guys, number one. Uh, he became the Old Spice Man in 1981. Is that real or ridiculous? Uh... I'm going to say that's uh, ridiculous. I agree. Ridiculous. It is ridiculous because he was the Aramis man. (laughs) (laughs) Very close, but ridiculous. He was earning $450,000 per episode for Cheers when he quit in 1993. Real or ridiculous? I'm going to say that's real. Me too, real. It is absolutely real. See, this is pretty easy, Joe right? knows his stuff. I'm All just right. going with Joe. <laughs> That's a good idea. Yeah. Number three, he made his big screen debut in 1979, The Onion Field. Real or ridiculous? Uh, I'll say real. That is real. It is real. You guys. Oh, yeah. That was like almost too easy. So... Mm-hmm. 
I don't know, but you want a pizza. Somehow, oh, wow. oh, you've got great. a Lou Malnati's gift certificate. And you know what? Lou Malnati's is home of Chicago's very best deep dish pizza and our favorite here at WGN Radio Theater. You can find one of their 40-plus Chicagoland locations or order online at LouMelnati's.com. Thank you so much. Thanks a lot. I really like your show. Thank, Thank you, Joe. We really like talking to you. Enjoy your pizza, okay. buddy. <laughs> Take care. And he's a big winner. And, you know, I just had a Lou Malnati's pizza yesterday. Did you? My son and I ordered it. Generally, no. we either order it on Saturday or we order it oh, on I Sunday. I thought you went no, oh, no, no, no. We ordered it. We had. Oh. We had a little Did you bring any for us? No, sorry, no. we ate it all. Well, Joe, maybe, maybe Joe that. will bring some for us yeah. next time. All right. All well, right. <laughs> uh, we have a text in line. It is three one two nine eight one seven two hundred. We love getting your text. Somebody uh, earlier texted in, wanted to know if I helped create radio, and yes, me and Marconi. Were uh, partners. You in mean business. Marconi and I? Yeah, Mar- you were Marconi so close. and I. Well, it didn't matter how you talked back then. It didn't. It, it no. just matters now. So Marconi and I. I yeah, think we were the, partners. The listener back may have met. Did the, you help to, to create WGN Radio Theater? Oh, and that you did help. I mean, I started it, but you really did <laughs> yeah, add thanks, a lot of your Lisa, expertise. I appreciate that. For so, letting me, you know, tag along for the ride. Well, you do have something to add that's important. That's so tr- I'm going to allow well, that. Thank to, you. I to appreciate. Continue. Thank you. Um, <laughs> can I get a raise this year? Um, no. no. <laughs> but Rob can. I, I, I don't push my. I don't push my luck. That's right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Let's just status quo. Here. Yeah. Text us three one two nine eight one seven two hundred. We love getting your texts. Well, we uh, we are in the midst of a sci-fi weekend. Yesterday we had suspense, a good sci-fi adventure with Jack Benny. Then we listen to X-1 and Dimension X. And tonight, throughout our two-hour broadcast, we're going to play an hour-long Lux Radio Theater presentation. You know, Lux was really the most extravagant program during the golden age of radio. It was the most expensive show. They would spend upwards of $100,000 to produce each weekly broadcast. Think about that. We're talking about the 1930s, 40s, and 50s now. $100,000 back then. That was huge money. I mean, it's huge money now, but it was huge money for an hour-long broadcast. That is a lot of soap, as they say. Lux was their sponsor. Yes, it Lux is. Lux is who was paying for that. Well, and, people are using a lot of soap. Yeah, man. and for a time, Cecil B. DeMille, the biggest director in you know in the world at the time, was the producer host of the show. And they would take the biggest movies from uh, the golden age of cinema and they would adapt them for Lux Radio Theater. Now, Lux was an hour, so it wasn't as hard to do, but still, they were taking a 90-minute or a two-hour movie, adapting it to a uh, basically about 50 minutes. They did an amazing job. They had incredible writers on the show, and they would often have the original film stars. Not always, but most of the time had the original film stars. And they do have the original film star on this sci-fi broadcast of the day the earth stood still let's go back to january 4th 1954 michael rennie who starred in the movie is before the cbs microphones we're going to do this in four parts here's part one now of the day the earth stood still on the lux radio theater lux presents hollywood Lever Brothers Company, the makers of Lux Toilet Soap, brings you the Lux Radio Theater, starring Michael Rennie and Gene Peters in The Day the Earth Stood Still. 
ladies and gentlemen, your producer, Mr. Irving Cummings. Greetings from Hollywood, ladies and gentlemen. There is an ever-present question that has puzzled and intrigued our world for centuries. Is there life on any of the other planets? So in tonight's play, we will tell you of a possible momentous event in our future. The arrival of this planet, on this planet, of a man from the outer space. The day the Earth stood still. And as our stars of this provocative drama from 20th Century Fox, we have one of their fastest rising stars, Michael Rennie, co-starring with that outstanding actress, Jean Peters. Now, act one of The Day the Earth Stood Still, starring Michael Rennie as Klaatu and Jean Peters as Helen Benson. <laughs> It was a pleasant spring day, an ideal day for a walk in the park, a day to push the baby buggy and be glad you were alive. There'd been at least 20 such sparkling days that spring and perhaps a billion or more of them since the earth began. And nothing had ever happened to spoil them but a few small fires or a slight head cold in the evening or a rain squall. This spring day in the middle of the marvelous 20th century was different. It was the most different day that had happened to mankind since the first Christmas. The thing was noticed in Hong Kong first on the British radar. But that's impossible. That thing must be doing about 4,000. That can't be aircraft, sir. It must be a buzz bomb. Better give an alarm. Keep it steady, though. Maybe faulty equipment. If the British radar in Hong Kong was faulty, so was the radar all over the Orient and Asia and Europe. So were the announcers on the radio. This is Moscow. This is Calcutta, India. This is Radio Luxembourg. The American radar screen quickly confirmed the fact that there was nothing wrong with the British radar and that there was something very gravely wrong 40 miles out in space, far above the Earth. Luckton at Ferris to Baker, Ferris to Baker. I have an object at two zero zero thousand feet, four zero 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 miles an hour. Then it was here. Incredibly, it was here. Burning down through the sky over Washington, D.C., hovering over the mall. Descending. They're here, they're coming, they're here, they're here. Not a sound. Stillness. Not a move from the cordon of tanks and armored cars and troops in full battle dress. Not a sound or gesture from the monstrous domed disc resting on the grass. The ship designed for travel outside the Earth's atmosphere landed in Washington today at 3.47 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We still do not know where it came from. The ship is now resting exactly where it landed two hours ago. So far, there is no sign of life from inside the ship. Behind the cordon of troops, tanks, and artillery is a huge crowd of curiosity seekers. Every eye, every weapon is trained on the ship. The atmosphere is one of terrific tension rather than of fear. It's been that way for... Just a minute, ladies and gentlemen. I think something's happening. The spaceship is opening up. Someone is coming out. Don't get excited. Keep calm. Quiet. 
A wedge is opened in the smooth, unbroken metal skin of the spaceship. A ramp slithers out on the grass against an eerie glow of unearthly light from inside the spaceship stands the spaceman. He is a man, entirely like ourselves. He wears a close-fitting suit like a deep-sea diver's armor, but of alien material. A spherical helmet entirely conceals his head. He holds up his hand. He is going to speak. We have come to visit you in peace and with goodwill. Receive me as a friend. Here he comes, men. Watch it. Keep that B.A.R. trained on him. He, he's going for something in his tunic, sir. Quiet. It's a ray gun or something. I'm going to let him have it. No, no, wait. You fool, he's down. Hold back that crowd. Everybody, back. <sighs> Your wound doesn't look too bad. I'm sorry, but you shouldn't have gone for that ray gun. It, it was not a weapon. He understands us. It was a gift for your president. With it, you might have studied life on other planets. What's bothering the crowd, Lieutenant? Tell him to... Oh, no. Oh, no! A nightmare stands on the ramp leading out of the spaceship. A mechanical giant, monstrous, all metal and menace, with a visor in his helmet lifting slowly revealing a dreadful light boiling within that metal head. And suddenly, out of that incandescence, a narrow ray. <laughs> Rifles, tanks, artillery glow with that terrible incandescence and become vapor in a mush of puddled steel. And in the deathly silence that follows, the robot strides down the ramp. The Avenger... From where? God! The glint of Roscoe! He won't hurt you now! Let's get you to a hospital. Good afternoon, uh, sir. Good afternoon. The doctors here tell me your wound is not serious. No. It amazes them that it's almost healed already. I'm very glad. It should serve as some sort of indication of our powers. My name is Harley, secretary to the president. I've been told you speak our language fluently, that your name is Mr. Klatu. Just Klatu. The president has asked me to convey our deepest apologies for what has happened. Sit down, Mr. Harley. I'm sure I don't have to point out that your arrival was something of a surprise. Uh, had you been traveling long? About five months. Your months. You must have come a long way. About 250 million of your miles. Uh, naturally, we're very curious to know where you come from. From another planet. Let's just say that we're neighbors. Rather difficult for us to think of another planet as a neighbor. I'm afraid in the present situation you'll have to learn to think that way. The present situation? I mean the reasons for my coming here. Would you care to talk about it? Not now, or with you alone. Perhaps you'd rather discuss it uh, personally with the president. I want to meet with the representatives from all the nations of the earth. I'm afraid that would be a little awkward. Why? In view of the tensions and suspicions in our world today, such a meeting would be uh, impossible. Mr. Harley, my mission here concerns the existence of every last creature who lives on earth. It must not be complicated by the childish jealousies, intrigues, suspicions of your planet. 
Our problems are very complex. You mustn't judge us too harshly. I'm impatient with stupidity. My people have learned to live without it. The President will, of course, do his best to bring about the meeting you desire. I know it will be quite useless. I wish it were otherwise. I'm very sorry, Mr. Clatu. Wait. Before making any grave decisions, I think I should get out among your people. Become familiar with the basis for these strange, unreasoning attitudes. Our military people insist that you do not attempt to leave the hospital. The door will be locked. I'm sure you understand. Good day, Mr. Clato. The door will be locked. <laughs> will it now? No door can hold Klaatu, Lisa. (laughs) (laughs) Michael Rennie there on uh, the first portion of The Day the Earth Stood Still. Uh, Have you ever seen this movie? I haven't. Oh, yeah. And they they had a remake of it also. Great movie. Um, And, uh, you know, they're just doing a terrific job. They have terrific actors in this as well. Besides Michael Rennie, you have people like Paul Freese doing the announcing. And William Conrad is in here, Tyler McVeigh, Tudor Owen, um, Gene Peters, Eddie Marr. I mean, these are some of the best uh, actors from the golden age of radio. Um, It's still going strong in 1954 on the Lux Radio Theater. Hope you're enjoying this. As I said, an hour-long broadcast in four parts. That was part one. We'll have three more parts coming your way. Um, if you love classic radio shows, if you like all these shows, and you would like to be part of our club, we'd uh, invite you to join. Go to our Classic Radio Club website at ClassicRadioClub.com. And when you go there, you will see that you can join for only $1 the first month. And uh, you can just it, we do that so you can try it to see if you like the CDs that you'll be sent or the digital downloads that you're sent. It's only a dollar. We, uh, we just want you to see what it's like to get these classic radio shows each month. You'll get shows like Lux Radio Theater, Suspense, The Shadow, The Lone Ranger, Bob Hope, Jack Benny, Boston Blackie, Inner Sanctum, Lights Out, you name it, we have it in the Classic Radio Club. Now, not, not only are they... The best shows, but they're the best quality shows. They're direct from master recordings. We actually take the 16-inch transcription disc, and we do a lab transfer of that, and then Mike digitally remasters it. He uses a system called No Noise, which takes out all the clicks and pops. So the shows you're going to get through the Classic Radio Club are incredible quality, and it's 10 shows each and every month, and you can cancel at any time. Plus, you get liner notes that I write about each and every show. And Lisa's a member, right, Lisa? I am. I get the digital downloads uh, sent to my computer once a month. I get an email from Carl, and that one I don't delete. I delete all the others. Everything else I send But when I see Classic Radio Club, I save that one. Right. <laughs> do you listen? When do you listen to them in the car or something? Uh, sometimes you I do. Bluetooth them to the car. Uh, sometimes just sort of uh, in the background when I'm doing things. Right. When I'm doing other things, and that's the great thing about having great quality. And you're working I can out have it in at my Orange home. Theory. I don't go Wait, to Orange Theory. Was it Therapy <laughs> Theory? What was it? You go to Orange Therapy. There's. <laughs> <laughs> I go to Orange Theory. <laughs> I could use a little therapy, but it's not orange. Uh, um, I go to bar. 
Oh yeah, I go, that's I right. Do bar. And you listen to the classic radio show sometimes. Well, when you're not at bar, no. but um, <laughs> no. But in my house when I'm, you know, just doing yeah. my thing. So uh, yeah, folks, check it out. It's a really fun club. There's hundreds and hundreds of members, and they're your fellow listeners, and they're enjoying it. And there's also testimonials at the website. But what the heck? It's only a dollar. Try it right. out. If you don't love it, you can cancel. Just go to classicradioclub.com. Right, Lisa? Right. All right. Um, we are going to take... Oh, you got a, something to can read? Can I just read this? Yeah, go right ahead. Sure. Okay, so this is really exciting because the actors from Chicago PD, Chicago Fire, and Chicago Med have once again joined forces to help out a local nonprofit. It's called Patrick Lives On. And on Saturday, September 7th at the Chop House, which is at 2033 North Avenue, the actors are going to participate participate in a special photo opportunity for VIP guests, followed by performing in a variety show. And all of the proceeds are going to go to helping local kids in the suburbs and Chicagoland area participate in after-school activities, keeping them safe and away from gang violence. So visit www.patrickliveson.org and you can register to win two VIP tickets. Sounds great. Very that exciting. sounds like a terrific event. Definitely. All right, when we come back from the news, it's part two of our four parts of the day the earth stood still on the Lux radio theater but it is 11:30 time for news here's vic vaughn back to wgn radio theater with earl amari and lisa wolf you know i'm going on a road trip in january i know about that but you driving know what? to florida you are armed with information oh now. man let me tell you something i am going to go prior to that uh road trip i'm going to go to bestoftheinterstate.com because at bestoftheinterstate.com i'm going to map out exactly what interstate uh, exits I'm going to get off at and what I'm going to do at those exits. What are you going to do at the exits? There's attractions. There's restaurants. There's all kinds of great places. There's hotels. And there's restrooms. Yeah, that too. <laughs> but if you're going to take a road trip, folks, you need to do something before you get in the car and drive on the interstate. Map out where you want to stop. You you can't believe all the attractions you can find at bestoftheinterstate.com. It's here to help you find the best destinations and attractions all along U.S. interstates. Head to bestoftheinterstate.com. Plan your best road trip. Yeah, don't guess. Know the best. Best of the interstate. You know, when you do that road trip, yeah. you should tell us some of the places that you stopped. That would actually be pretty you know interesting Maybe to I'll hear Facebook about that. Facebook Live it. Oh, I don't that, know how that to do you that. will not do. But um, I don't know how to do that. But, <laughs> but you could let us know some of the attractions that you found through I Best will. of the Interstate I that will. you ultimately how about stopped that? at. That's a great idea, Lisa. I know. You know, you come up with great ideas. I know. You know? Mm hmm. <laughs> That's because she has two brains. <laughs> What's up, Roger? How you doing over there? That's is it six, number six? Yeah. yeah. I think What's going on? Roger is here. What's up, yeah, Roger? Been? Looks like a green M&M. Since like on. this morning. Tonight? He's got his green M&M shirt on. That's because someone took all the other green M&Ms out of the, uh, out of the bag. And <laughs> do said, you, well, I don't do like you the green think M&M. that the M&Ms all taste the same? Yes, they, they taste the they same. Yes. Yes, They're they, just different colors. It's, it's it, a In your mind, they might be different. Yeah. Yeah. I had yeah. a teacher that was obsessed with was green, green M&M's. M&Ms? Well, you know, she there's was. a thing about green M&M's. Oh, really? I don't know. 
There is? Well, a lot yes. of people, they, they are very specific. I want to But don't M&Ms, you know the... the take out all the reds or take out all the blues There's uh There's some sayings about the green M&Ms and what I'll happens look, when you eat I'll the green ones. That up. See, Lisa will know that kind of stuff. Well, so. I'll educate you off the air. All right. <laughs> Our listeners know. Sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, you know what? We are listening to a really cool episode of Lux Radio Theater, 1954 broadcast. You know who the announcer on this is, Roger? I have no idea. Ken Carpenter. You know what he did on the side? I have no idea. Build houses. He was a great carpenter. I just stepped. Why did you do that, Roger? I I was trying to look at you and give you the look. Supportive. You should see the the toolbox that guy had. That Ken Carpenter. Yeah, you got to look in my eyes, and you would have known. I was trying to focus on him because he needs all the focus he can get. Oh, he he loves taking focus. I I know. (laughs) (laughs) So let's get back to this. We're listening to this in four parts. Here's part two now of the Lux Radio Theater. Plot to escape. Nor could the embarrassing news of his disappearance long be suppressed. It was read about in the papers and described in excited tones over the radio. Authorities at Walter Reed Hospital still refuse to comment on how he managed to escape, except to say that he broke into a hospital locker and stole clothing belonging to a staff doctor. While the government does not minimize the crisis... This was the latest and the only the news. And among the countless millions listening were two men and a woman in an ordinary home on an ordinary street in Washington. Mrs. Crockett's rooming house. There was Mrs. Crockett and Helen Benson and little Bobby Benson. against powers that are beyond our control or understanding. Oh, I just can't stand any more of this. Oh, I wanted to hear more, Mrs. Crockett. It's exciting, isn't it, Mother? Hush, Bobby. Exciting? It's enough to drive a person... Uh, Oh, who are you? I'm sorry. I saw your sign outside and the door was open. My name is Carpenter. Yes? I'm looking for a room. Oh, 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 yes. I do have a nice room. Are you a G-man? No, I'm afraid I'm not. I'll bet he is, Mom. I'll bet he's looking for that spaceman. I think we've all been hearing too much about spacemen, Mr. Carpenter. This is Mrs. Benson, Mr. Carpenter. How do you do? And this is little Bobby, my youngest guest. Hi. I'm Mrs. Crockett. You're a long way from home, aren't you, Mr. Carpenter? How did you know? Oh, I can tell a New England accent every time. This way, please, Mr. Carpenter. And so this Sunday morning, we asked the question that has been plaguing the entire world for two days now. Where is the creature, and what is he up to? Eat your cereal, Bobby. Oh, Mom, I'm almost as it is. Bobby. Okay, Mr. Carpenter. I'm sorry, Mrs. Crockett. Please, go on reading. Oh, creature, and what is he up to? Uh, If he can build a spaceship that can fly to Earth, and a robot that can destroy our tanks and guns, what other terrors can he unleash at will? What a man. Obviously, we must track down this monster and destroy him before he destroys us. Correct. Then why don't they do it? This spaceman, or whatever he is, we automatically assume he's a menace. Maybe he isn't, after all. Well, then where is he, Mrs. Benson? What's he up to? Maybe he's afraid. Oh, he's afraid. Well, after all, he was shot the minute he landed here. I just was wondering what I'd do. Perhaps before deciding upon a course of action, you'd want to know more about the people here. Nothing strange about Washington. A person from another planet might disagree with you. (gasps) 
Oh, it's all right, Mrs. Crockett. That's Mr. Stevens calling for me. Uh-huh. I'll go to the door. That awful robot standing there like an ugly iron statue gives me the shivers. Morning, Tom. Hello, Helen. Hey, can anybody see us? <laughs> no. <laughs> so, all right, we're all set. I picked up some sandwiches and put gas in the car, and the radio is busted, so we can forget about the spaceman for today, huh? I haven't been able to arrange for anyone to stay with Bobby. Mrs. Crockett's going out, and uh, I don't suppose we could take him with us. Oh, well, we could. Just today. Mrs. Crockett has plans, and I don't know who else to ask. I haven't any plans. Oh, Mr. Carpenter. I'd be glad to spend the day with Bobby, if you'd let me. Oh, great, thanks. Well, it's very nice of you to offer. Oh, I'm sorry, Mr. Carpenter, this is Tom Stevens. Hi. How do you do? Bobby and I had a fine time yesterday afternoon. I thought he might show me around the city today. Well... Please, I'd enjoy it. And this is where my father is buried. Robert Benson, Virginia, 1st Lieutenant, 45th Infantry. April 10th, 1916, January 29th, 1944. Your father was very young, wasn't he, Bobby? He was killed at Anzio. Did, did all these people here die in wars? Well, most of them. Didn't you ever hear of Arlington Cemetery? I'm afraid not. You don't seem to know much about anything, Mr. Carpenter. I've been far away, Bobby. Don't they have places like this where you've been? Not like this one. You see, they... They don't have any wars. Let's walk. All right. What would you like to do now? Go to the movies. All right. No fooling? No fooling. Uh, do you have to have money to go there? Well, I've got two dollars. I'll treat you, okay? No, I want to take you. Look, do you think they'd accept these? Gee, what are they? Diamonds? Well, in some places, these are what people use for money. They're easy to carry and they don't wear out. I bet they're worth a million dollars. Would you give me your two dollars for two of these? Sure, okay. There you are. Um, let's not say anything to Mom about this, huh? Why not? Well, she doesn't like me to take advantage of people. Hey, before we go to the movies, would you like to see the Abraham Lincoln Memorial? Thank you, yes, I would. Well, this is it. That's the Gettysburg speech up there. That this nation under God shall have a new birth of freedom, and that government of the people, by the people, and for the people shall not perish from the earth. Those are great words. That's some statue. That's the kind of man I'd like to talk to. Bobby, who is the greatest man in America today? Gee, I don't know. The spaceman, I guess. (laughs) I was speaking of Earthmen. Oh, I don't know. The president? I mean the greatest philosopher, the greatest thinker, scholar. Oh, well, that's Professor Barnhart, I guess. Yes, Professor Barnhart. He's the greatest scientist in the world. He lives right here in Washington, right near where my mother works. Where is that? Department of Commerce. She's a secretary. Why? I have an idea, Bobby. Let's go see Professor Barnhart. What for? You just said he's the greatest man in America. You're kidding, aren't you? Wouldn't you like to meet him? Oh, sure I would. Ah, go on. I bet you'd be scared. Maybe we can scare him more than he can scare us. I like you, Mr. Carpenter. You're a real screwball. Gee, maybe the professor isn't at home. Let's take a look through that window. I'll bet this is where he works. Look in there. Books all over. 
Blackwood's full of stuff. Uh, door's locked, too. Is it? I know it isn't, Bobby. Well, that's funny. We'll go in and wait for him. I'm sure he won't mind. Gee, just think. All the brains that goes on in here. Well, what's all that stuff on the blackboard? It's a problem in celestial mechanics. And what's the matter? You'll never get the answer that way. Let's see. Hey, it says don't erase. Don't touch. This is right. Check. Correct. Correct. And here's where he gets off the track. Now we'll fix that. So. So. You must be an arithmetic teacher, I bet. Differentiate the equation there. Who are you? Uh-oh. How dare you come in like this? How dare you write on that blackboard? Do you realize the professor's been working on that problem for weeks? He'll solve it in no time now. What do you want? We came to see Professor Barnhart. Well, he's not here, and he won't be back until evening. I think you better leave. Will you tell him that Mr. Carpenter was here? 1615 M Street, Northwest. I think he'll want to talk to me. Indeed. Thank you. Oh, it may have entered your mind to erase what I've written on the blackboard. It certainly has. I wouldn't do that. The professor needs it very badly. Come on, Bobby. Carpenter, 1650 M Street, Northwest. Carpenter, M Street. Operator, give me the police. <laughs> It is early evening of the same day. Tom Stevens and Helen Benson drive up to the boarding house after their picnic, quite unaware of the dark squad car parked at the curb a few feet ahead. Well, here we are. Thank you, Tom. It was a wonderful day. You, um, still haven't answered my question. You know how I feel, Tom. But I still want time to think it over. If I could only tell the boss I was getting married and acquiring two dependents. You're a good salesman. Uh, a good salesman wouldn't give you time to think about it. <laughs> good night. Uh, didn't you forget something? Now, good night. <laughs> good night. Oh, Mr. Carpenter. Hi, Mom. Hello, darling. Uh, Mrs. Benson, this is Mr. Brady. How do you do? How do you do? Mr. Brady's a government agent. Oh? Did you have a nice day, Bobby? We had a swell time, didn't we, Mr. Carpenter? Yes, we did. We went to the movies and had a banana split, and we went to see Daddy. Oh, I don't know how to thank you, Mr. Carpenter. I enjoyed every minute of it. We better get going. Yes. Good night, Bobby. Good night. I'll tell you the rest of that story tomorrow. Good night, Mrs. Benson. Good night. Nice meeting you, Mrs. Benson. Thank you. Why did Mr. Carpenter have to go with Mr. Brady? I don't know. Maybe it was a mistake. Upstairs with you. Yeah. We sure had fun today. We went all over Washington and we went to see Professor Barnhart. Professor Barnhart? Oh, sure. Barnhart? 
Up to bed now. Pronto. Is uh, this the man you wanted to see, Professor Barnard? Oh, uh, thank you, Mr. Beatty. If I may speak to Mr. Carpenter alone, please. I'll wait outside, Professor. You are Mr. Carpenter. Yes, Professor. Who wrote those equations on my blackboard? My clumsy way of introducing myself. Forgive the manner in which you were picked up. Hilda called the police before I saw your annotations on the board. I appreciate the need for security, Professor. I have not quite fathomed the problem, even with your remarkable assistance, Mr. Carpenter. Let's look at it, sir. All you have to do now is substitute this expression at this point. Yes, that will reproduce the first order term. But what about the effect of the other terms? Negligible. With variation of parameters, this is the answer. How can you be so sure? Have you tested this theory? I find it works well enough to get me from one planet to another. Plot two. I spent two days at your Walter Reed Hospital. I was interviewed by I need no proof. This blackboard is proof. If you are not interested or if you intend to turn me over to the army, we needn't waste any more time. Interested? Will you excuse me one moment, please? Uh, Mr. Brady, you may go now. Please thank General Cutler and tell him... Tell him that I know this gentleman. So much for that, Klaatu. Now, please sit down. You have faith, Professor. Faith and uh, uh, curiosity. Uh, do sit down. I have several thousand questions to ask you. I would like to explain my mission here. That is my first question. It was my hope to discuss this officially with all the nations of the world. I was not allowed the opportunity. Now, we know from scientific observation that your planet has discovered a rudimentary kind of atomic energy. We also know that you're experimenting with rockets. Yes, that is true. What exactly is the nature of your mission? To warn you that your planet faces danger. What I have to say must be said to all concerned. I come to you as a last resort. Must I take drastic action in order to get a hearing? What sort of action do you mean? Violent action? Perhaps leveling the island of Manhattan? Or toppling the rock of Gibraltar into the sea? Well? Would you, for example, be willing to meet with a group of scientists I'm calling together? We're having our first meeting tonight. Perhaps you could explain your mission to them, and they in turn could present it to their various peoples. That is what I came to see you about. One thing, Klaatu. Suppose this group should reject your proposals. What is the alternative? There is no alternative, Professor. In such a case, the planet Earth would have to be eliminated. Such... Power exists? I assure you, such power exists. The uh, scientists who are attending these meetings have come here from all over the world. Now, this power you speak of, they must be made to realize that it exists. Now, you mentioned a demonstration of force. Yes. Something that would affect the entire planet? That can be arranged. Uh, perhaps uh, a little uh, demonstration... <laughs> Something dramatic, but not destructive. It's quite an interesting problem. Would tomorrow be all right? If you say so. Say about noon? Then tomorrow at noon. Good. All right, that's part two of the Lux Radio Theater, The Day the Earth Stood Still, from January 4th, 1954. You know what I noticed from listening to the show? That uh, just reminded me of how much... Um, 
more trusting people were back then, right? So here's this alien comes from another planet, and his family lets this alien take their son to, you know, out to eat and to the movies and everything like That's that. That's kind of like E.T. You know, they yeah. just took him in and... But I mean, if an alien landed on Earth tomorrow, <laughs> would you let your um, seven-year-old son take a walk with this alien and go to uh, the market and everything <laughs> the else? The market. <laughs> <laughs> and go see a movie? Well, it, you know, it, I'd is, be like, it is fiction. <laughs> I know, but, you know, it's like nowadays, you know... If you're from the wrong side of the tracks, you can't right. do that. <laughs> if an alien wanted to take my kid somewhere, I'd be like, listen, alien. I think you'd say, please take him. <laughs> <laughs> please. Yeah, you're probably right, yeah, I, I would. Know, I know, All right, let's take a quick break. <laughs> then it's more on the WGN Radio Theater. Hey, Ro, have you ever been on a cruise? I haven't, actually. She's oh, never had a nectarine. Yeah. What are you talking about? She didn't a have cruise? A, Lisa gave her a nectarine. She was like, what is this? <laughs> it was amazing, though. She Googled That's it. That's amazing. I did Google it, actually, right before you gave it to me. See, Woodman's. She get, went to Woodman's to get those. Um, I have... Uh, you've never been on a cruise. No. Never. I want to go, though. This Guess is going to be a night of new We're things. going on a cruise. <laughs> okay. In a, a year from now, in August... We are going August 1st on a cruise, and we're inviting all our listeners. Now, they have to pay. Now, it won't be free. <laughs> they have to pay <laughs> oh, to go. But we can but, get you a great deal. But we have a great deal for them because we were able to get a group rate. So we are going to Bermuda out Ooh. of New York. Terrific uh, two stops, uh, St. George and Hamilton. And what's really exciting With about this ship. is we chose Oceana Cruises yeah. um, to take us there because Oceana is uh, supposedly the best cruise line there is. Yeah. Um, they're really service oriented and they're really high end. And that's how we want to do it. We right. want to do it the right we way. Do it right. <laughs> and you know what? I want good food. When I want a cruise, I want good food and they have it. They've got great food. And they have food. nectarines. And they have nectarines, <laughs> Do they? too. Yeah. Is there going to be a, a full table of nectarines for I will, me to go you choose know what? from? If you're on Probably. it, I will make sure of it. Okay. Mm -hmm. But not only will they have nectarines, they will have a world-class fitness center. They have a spa. That's where you'll find me. Um, there's going to be eight lounges and bars and a casino, which is where we'll find Carl. <laughs> if you're looking for me, just go to the casino. If you're looking for me, hang out at this spa. So uh, we want to hang out with our listeners, have some food, hang out at the pool, go check out St. George and Hamilton and Bermuda, some of the islands, have some great excursions, and just hang out together. Yeah, We're going to do a lot of classic yeah. radio. Trivia um, contest. Entertainment. Radio, radio reenactment of these shows, Ro, where people get to be in the broadcast, right? They get to be on stage. Can I direct this? You well, could be you in go, it. If you go, you can be part oh. of it. How's that? Okay, I'll take that. Carl right. is the director. That's sort of his role. So uh -oh. you're I'm kinda, the director. You're kind of taking over But you can here. be the assistant director. <laughs> I'll take that. Right. <laughs> so, so, yeah, here's it's going to be fun. So what you do. Um, we're working with a travel agency called Keen Luxury Travel. It's K-E-E-N-E. -E. Their number is 800-856-1155. You can call them or check it out read more about it you can go to our website of course wgnradiotheater.com scroll down to the banner you'll see the cruise banner click it and you can read more about the cruise next august 1st 2020 can you give the number one more time 800-856-1155 all right come with us uh come to sail bermuda away. come sail away come, come sail, sail away with me, with me.
<laughs> and that's we figured that out. That sticks, that right? That sticks. Okay, very good. <laughs> we agreed All on that one. All <laughs> right. Okay. Well, when we come back from news, it's part three of this four-part hour-long Lux Radio Theater presentation of The Day the Earth Stood Still. So make sure that you uh, don't go away. We want we want you to hear the whole story. Chicago Stories told 24-7 on WGN Chicago. Smart speaker users, just say play WGN Radio on TuneIn. It is exactly midnight. Time for news. Here is Vic Vaughn. Back to WGN Radio Theater with Earl Amari and Lisa Wolf. Are you Lisa Wolf or my Carl Amari? Oh, yes, what? both of those Vis- are correct. <laughs> Vis- vice versa? No, no. Visa Visa? No, I'd rather be me. <laughs> I'd rather be me. I would rather be me. I've got to be me. You, you've got some right? issues Is that, that I... that how it goes? I don't know. Remember that song? No. I gotta be me. Yeah, that was a song. I'm not familiar with that tune. Ro would know. Ro, you know She'll that tune? pull it up or... I gotta be me. I can look I for it, be... but it's over my Wait, head. I think it's... I, I want to be me. Is it want to be? I got to be Are you me. I got to. I think it's I got to be me. I don't know. Yeah. It's like 19. I would say that was like 19, late 60s, early 70s. I got to be me. I got my our listeners know what, what I'm talking about. You, know, okay. you don't know that song? I don't. Sorry. Okay. Our <laughs> listeners do for sure. Texas <laughs> 312-981-7200. Our listeners know everything. They're amazing. They're the smartest listeners in all of radio. Anytime we ask our listeners something, they, they, they know they're we, on it. So they that's absolutely, true. And boy, we better not make a mistake. I know, oh, I, know. I know you never make a mistake. Not too often. Yes, Ro, what is it? <laughs> I gotta be me. She found it. I gotta be me. I found it. I think I sound What's better than from? that guy, though. Don't I, Ro? Is it from a show? Ro, do I sound better than him? I don't know. Sammy Davis Jr. has got a oh, pretty powerful yeah. voice. Yeah, that's well, it. Yeah. Yeah, I gotta be me. I don't know that song. Oh, he was great, man. He sounds great. I mean, he's almost as good as you are. Part of the Rat Pack, man. Oh, yeah. I gotta be me. I've got to be me. The dream that I see. Rose's eyes just went like, huh? All right. Well, we have our uh, an hour long lux. We uh, will have part three in this hour. Yep. And part four, and then we we're out of here. Yeah, but we'll one be a, back. One we're o'clock back. in the morning. Yeah, we'll, we'll be, be back, back next on week. Saturday. What do we have next week? What's, we have a great lineup. What is it? Because I planned oh. it. Oh. So we have the lives of Harry Lime. Right. Right. We have the Martin and Lewis. What show. about the lives of 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 Harry um, Lemon? What about you, that show? You could call it whatever you want. I I'm mean, gonna go with I like lime. lemons more than Do lime. You? No, I like limes. I think limes are better, actually. But I We've think got... that was his cousin, the li- the lives of Harry Lemon. Lemon and lime? Yeah. I don't get it. Okay. All right, we've got the Martin and Lewis show. We always oh, have Dean fun Martin, with that. Jerry Lewis. They were and, part of the Rat Pack, too. Yep, and one of the best, we've got Dragnet. That's mm-hmm. all Saturday, Saturday night right. and Sunday. The Adventures of Sam Spade Detective. Howard Duff. And... The most beloved Jack Benny program. Oh man, okay. what a great lineup, I Lisa! Know, I know. I'm telling you, you are good at this, boy. Good I'll tell choices, you. So. You know, you're know. you're you're and you're getting better and better. Oh, thanks a lot. I'll keep working. <laughs> you're improving. At it. I'll keep working uh, at it. <laughs> <laughs> but right now, it's time to play our game. Is it real or is it ridiculous? Sponsored by Cats Pride. Yes, the celebrity is Fred Gwynn. Fred Gwynn. Yes. Oh, yeah. Right. Oh yeah, Herman Munster. Oh yeah, for sure. Okay. And we are going 
going to be giving away a Lumel Naughty's oh gift certificate. The you best know, here's of the, the best. Thing. I buy a Lumel Naughty's pizza probably every single week. And this is true. Yeah. Every single week because my son loves Lumel Naughty's. Well, I do too. And I do too. But so I don't think I've ever had a gift card for, I never, I got to call in and win the contest. You know what? I should call in. I don't even in. think we're allowed to win. No, I've never just, had a lose I'm gift just kidding. card. We can't. We cannot win. But yeah. we we share. We do take shares. <laughs> if somebody <laughs> right. were if to share with pizza us. you win a pizza and you want us to come over and eat okay. it, we'll come over and now, eat it. that's fair game. Right. Um, so so one of our listeners, Ro, if they win a pizza, we'll go over there and we'll just eat it. Or, or they could come here and we'll hang out together. Yeah, sounds I good. I like the come here part. It sounds yeah, like a good deal to right? me. Or right, so Carl could just order one for Fred everyone. Fred Gwynn, right? Way. Fred Gwynn, and we're going to give away Lou Malnati's gift certificate. What and you caller? can call in now. We're going to go with caller number 5-312-981-7200, and we'll be right back. Come on, baby. Let's get ridiculous. Come on, baby. Let's get ridiculous. Hi, Debbie. Hi, Debbie. Hey, how are you? Hey, I'm good. How are you, how are you? I'm doing good. Terrific. Well, you're already a winner. You've yep. already won a gift certificate for Lou Malnati's, but first we'll play a little uh, Really Ridiculous. You guys ready to go? Yeah. Fred Gwynn. Yep. Okay, number one. Lily! <laughs> that wasn't good. Try again. <laughs> Lily. Uh, 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 give uh. you a three. Uh, he wrote and illustrated self-help books that are still in print today. Real or ridiculous? What do you think? Real. I say, I say ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Although uh. he has written some books. Um, so this is for me. <laughs> And Debbie, sorry, here's my theme song usually. <laughs> but he has written some children's novels. Okay. okay, number two. He played the judge in the movie My Cousin Vinny. Real or ridiculous? Real. That is real. That is real. And I, I know that because I just love that movie. Yeah, it was a pretty great, small part, but, but an important part. Mm -hmm. Number three, he served in the U.S. Navy as a radio man in World War II. Real, real. or real ridiculous? I think that's real. It is real. Wow. You guys did great. And the best wow. part here is, Debbie, you are the big winner because you have won a Lumel Naughty's gift certificate for $25. Wow. Carl and I are salivating over here about yeah. that because Lumel Naughty's is home of Chicago's best deep dish pizza, our personal favorite. And you can find one of their 40 plus Chicago land locations or order online at LumelNaughty's.com. And you know what I say about that? What? I gotta have pizza. <laughs> oh, no. Uh oh. I gotta have pizza. <laughs> Only Way to go, I Debbie. Pizza right now. Are you really? Is it, is it Lou Malnati's? Yeah. You are eating a loose pizza right now? Wow. No, I said I can use a pizza right oh, now. Oh, you could. Right there now. you go. Well, you got a card coming. What's your favorite kind? I like uh, supreme. All right. Well, oh, have man. fun with have it. Fun. Enjoy your pizza. Enjoy, enjoy. All right, thanks. Thanks, care. Debbie. All right, she's a big winner, oh, and yeah. it is time now, Lisa, for part three of The Day the Earth Stood Still on the Lux Radio Theater. Going out tonight, Mrs. Benson? Oh. Oh, it's you, Mr. Carpenter. I'm afraid I startled you. Yes, I am going out. Mr. Stevens is calling for me. Everyone seems so 
So... Jittery is the word. <laughs> Bobby's the only person I know who isn't jittery. He's a fine boy, Mrs. Benson. Naturally, I think so. Warm, friendly, intelligent. He's the only real friend I've made since I've been here. Mr. Carpenter, this is none of my business, but why did that detective come here last night, that Mr. Brady? Bobby and I tried to see Professor Barnhart in the afternoon, but he wasn't in. Apparently, they thought I was looking for secrets of some kind. Oh, that must be Tom now. Oh, Mr. Stevens, do come in. Helen is in the sitting room. Alert Mrs. Crockett. She has a romantic mind. Hello there, Helen. Got a minute to spare. You ready? Hello, Carpenter. Uh, picture starts at 8.50 on the dot, Helen. I'll be ready in a minute. I was just talking to Mr. Carpenter. Oh, I hope Mr. Carpenter won't think I'm intruding. Excuse me. I was just going up to my room. Good night. Good night, Mr. Carpenter. Have a good time, both of you. Thank you. Tom, that was awful. Oh, I'm sorry. I guess I'm just tired of hearing about Mr. Carpenter. Mr. Carpenter. Shh. I don't like the way he's attached himself to you and Bobby. After all, what, what do you know about him? Very little, it's true. Well, let's not stand and talk about it anymore. I'll go up and get my things. Gee, Mr. Carpenter, thanks a lot for helping me with my homework. That's all there is to it, Bobby, my boy. All you have to remember is, first find the common denominator, then subtract. I got you. Thanks, Mr. Carpenter. I'm leaving with Tom, Bobby. You'll go to bed on time now, won't you? I'll say goodnight again, Mrs. Benson. Mr. Carpenter. Yes? Nothing. Good night. Good night. Night, Bobby. Bobby, I think it would be better if you didn't see quite so much of Mr. Carpenter. Well, gee, why, Mom? He's swell. I like him. And he's awful good at arithmetic. He even helped Professor Barnhart. I, I'm sure he's a very nice man. I just think he might prefer to be left alone. Now go to bed, darling. Why would he want to be left alone? Don't forget to brush your teeth. Come in. Bobby, do you have a flashlight I might borrow for tonight? Oh, sure, Mr. Carpenter. It's a real Boy Scout one. Thank you, Bobby. Well, why do you want it? The lights in my room went out. See you tomorrow. Better get into bed now. Gee, I wonder if the batteries are any good. Uh, Mr. Carpenter! Bobby went to the door and opened it. What he saw down the hallway puzzled him. Mr. Carpenter's door was ajar and light was pouring out of his room. Funny. He said his light went out. Then Mr. Carpenter came out carrying the flashlight and stealing down the steps like a thief. This was peculiar, but this was adventure. Bobby followed Mr. Carpenter, and what he saw couldn't have been a dream. It was too real. But it couldn't have been true either. It was too deliciously frightful. Dream or not, it was filled with darkness stung by staccato flashes from a genuine Boy Scout flashlight. Flashes that activated a giant robot into knocking out his guards so that Mr. Carpenter from the boarding house could get into the shed the army had built around the spaceship. And dream or not, Bobby saw this Mr. Carpenter go into the spaceship. And then a wave of sheer terror swept over Bobby at last, and he turned and ran wildly away, the way little boys always run in nightmares, trying so hard and moving so slowly and all the time falling down. It was awful. It was swell. Ah! <laughs> 
When his mother came home around midnight, Bobby was curled up on the sofa. Instantly, he jumped up and ran to her and to Tom Stevens as they came into the hallway. Mom, Mom, listen. Bobby, what are you doing down here at this hour, fully dressed? Oh, Mr. Stevens. Mom, I had to tell you. Tell me what? What's the matter, Bobby? I followed Mr. Carpenter tonight, right after you left, and gee, where do you think he went? Right into the spaceship. Now, Bobby, just one minute. Honest, Mom, I saw him. They got a shed built around the spaceship so nobody can get to it. But Mr. Carpenter flashed a signal to that Iron Man up there, and what do you think? Bobby, have you been dreaming again? Well, sure. No, Mom, honest, I haven't. I promise you, I saw it. Where, where did you see all of this? Well, I'm telling you, on the lawn, down at the mall. In that place where the soldiers are all out in front. Oh, uh, and where were the soldiers all this time? Well, that robot fellow grabbed him and knocked him out. Oh, Bobby. Yeah, and then Mr. Carpenter walked into the shed, and the spaceship opened up, and he walked right inside, and it closed again. Gee, I like Mr. Carpenter, but... I'm scared, Mom. Darling, it was just a bad dream. We'll prove it to you. Tom, will you see if Mr. Carpenter's still up? Ask him to come down here a minute. Helen. Yes, Tom? Helen, he's not there, but look what I found on the carpet. It can't be a diamond, can it? I don't know. It's much too big. Oh, it looks real to me. Oh, Mr. Carpenter's got lots of them. He gave a couple of them to me. Here. He gave you these? Well, not exactly. I gave him two dollars. I, I, I don't know, but this whole thing, it just does, that doesn't make sense. Look, Helen, do you think it's all right for you to stay here? There's a strong lock on my door. And Bobby's going to sleep in my room tonight. Okay. Upstairs, nightmare boy. It wasn't a nightmare. Bobby. Yeah, Mom? Bobby, your shoes are soaking wet. Yeah, grass on the mall was kind of wet. Good night, all. Tom, I wonder. Club 2 had promised what Professor Barnhart termed a little demonstration. Promised it for the following day at noon. It is now two minutes to twelve. In the Department of Commerce building, Helen Benson has left her office on her way to lunch. She stands in the corridor waiting for an elevator. Mrs. Benson. Mr. Carpenter, what are you doing here? I came to see you. Well, I was just going to lunch. What is it? I saw Bobby this morning before he went to school. Yes? I want to know what he told you. <laughs> oh, Bobby has such an active imagination. Did you believe what he told you? Really, Mr. Carpenter, this is where I work, and I only have a short time for lunch today. If you'll excuse me... I'll go down with you. If you like. The service elevator's open. You'll have to press the button, Mr. Carpenter. Oh, yes, yes. It was just five seconds before noon of that fateful day when Helen Benson and Mr. Carpenter stepped into that electric elevator. At that same moment, the enormous commerce of our briskly modern world roared and thundered in the streets. Five seconds to noon. Four seconds. Three seconds. Two seconds. One. Zero. 
and silence. All over the world, traffic stopped dead in a million streets. Here and there, a horse-drawn vehicle clopped its melancholy way among the motionless motors. Bicycles moved before awe and the common desolation made the riders stop of their own free will. Electric clocks stopped on the dot of noon. All across the powered world, the machines stood still. Toasters failed to pop and battle fleets on maneuvers drifted aimlessly on their dead propellers. Joe Smith's milkshake didn't spin, and the humming turbines deep in Hoover Dam didn't produce current. Mrs. Housewife's washer stopped in the middle of its cycle, and electric lights went out all over the world. At a conference table in Washington, a hasty council of the armed services was held. As far as we can tell, gentlemen, all electric power has been cut off all over with few exceptions. And even these exceptions are remarkable. Hospitals, planes and flight, that sort of thing. I wish I could be more specific, but all communications are out. I can tell you that we are preparing to declare a state of national emergency, but before we start discussing plans, I want to report from Colonel Ryder. All I can report, General, is that the robot at the spaceship was discovered to have moved last night. It knocked unconscious the two soldiers guarding the entrance to the shed the Army engineers had built around the spaceship, indicating that someone, presumably the spaceman, had wanted to get into the ship for one reason or another. In our likelihood to signal for this demonstration of his planet's power. Go on, Colonel. Well, that's all, sir. Well, gentlemen, until now, we've agreed on the desirability of capturing this man alive. We can no longer afford to be soft in this matter. We will get him alive if possible, but we must get him. Is that clear, gentlemen? Dead or alive? Get him. All right, that's uh, part three. We have part four coming your way. Hey, Lisa, when you were a kid, do you remember watching Fractured Fairy Tales? Do you remember that with uh, Boris Badenoff and... You know, Rocky and Bullwinkle and all that kind of stuff. The fractured fairy tales. I do remember Rocky and you Bullwinkle. Know, and I know Grandma that, and all I, that. Yeah, but that was literally, I was oh, I know. so you very were, young. Yeah. Um, I know, but so I'm I, sure a lot of our listeners but, I mean, I'm familiar with remember it. that. Well, two of the people, two of the main people on fractured fairy tales are in this broadcast. Mm. Paul Fries, who is the narrator, you know, he's the one telling the story as yeah. it's going along. He was Boris Badenoff. Uh, and the narrator on Fractured Fairy Tales, the, the announcer on Fractured Fairy Tales, was William Conrad, who was mm-hmm. just talking on, you know, it was Gunsmoke, Matt Dillon, all that. But, uh, yeah, they took the two, probably the two best, you know, voice actors from this show, Paul Fries and William Conrad. They did more on radio than probably anybody, and they were the two main voices on Fractured Fairy Tales. And I'm sure our listeners remember mm-hmm. all those great Fractured Fairy Tales. All right, we have uh, we have part four of the Lux Radio Theater coming your way, but first, these words. Oh, no break? We're taking it all the way to the news. Oh, we're taking it all the way to the news, Lisa. Now that's about two minutes. Yeah. Um, so should we sing? You want to? <laughs> I want to be me. Okay, let's come up with something different. <laughs> we did that one No, already. I know. No, we don't want to sing. Can't repeat. Um, no, we don't want to sing. You said right? you did. Well, 
We did have a couple of listeners say that they said mm-hmm. I could sing. They don't mind my singing. Some people, this, um, somebody just wrote, yeah, I love hearing people sing live. I think Carl could do it. Really? Mm-hmm. Oh, no, you really don't really. So you're going to sing the song that we uh, found, Sammy, Sammy's song? No, I can't keep up Sammy with David Sammy. I mean, no, you can't. You know, like, my, one of my favorite singers of all time, favorite bands of all time, is Tom Petty. But Tom Petty is not considered like the greatest singer, right? I mean, right. he's kind of. Now I'll sing a Tom Petty song because because you don't have to be. You know, a I don't have to be that. But like, uh, you know, who the other guy, like Johnny Cash. Oh, Johnny yeah. Cash used to talk through his songs, and he'd be like, "And then it was this and that, and that." You know, I see. I could do that kind of stuff, but I can't sing like sing. I know. Sing sing. I know. <laughs> I can go to sing sing. Mm-hmm. Spend some time in sing mm-hmm. sing. But I can't really sing. Right. I know. But I know. Lisa can sing. Did you yeah. know that, Ro? Lisa can sing. I she did plays not. The piano. She can play the piano. Surprise, surprise. She can sing. A little bit. Yeah. Look at that multifaceted. Mm-hmm. She's got a lot right. of talents. Very complex. Yeah. Oh. Aren't we all? You know? When she was in college, she studied, uh, let me see, your master's degrees are in teaching. Is that right? And English, right? Oh, no, no. Advertising. <laughs> Wait, advertising. Yes. Master's degree in advertising. That is correct. And then like teaching, English, something like that. Yeah, I'm right? a reading teacher. Oh, reading teacher. Mm-hmm. Ro, you know what I studied to be when I was in college? Uh-oh. What'd you study for? I, uh, I studied to be an astronaut. You didn't know that? I didn't. Yeah, I took up space. Did he get you, Ro? Got got her. Her. And I saw your face. Did you see me look I at saw you? Your I, gave face. You, look, I gave you the you look. You know what? You and fell for it. it, hook, line, and sinker. Oh, Sorry. I wish Roger were here. He could be Sorry. rolling his eyes with me, but I'm sure Vic is up there rolling his yeah, eyes Vic's right along like, with oh, me. Yeah, Vic's probably like, oh, man, I've only heard that joke. He's very like, small in my screen, but I'm just going to assume that he Four did. times a week, he's probably like, enough Vic, with that song. Vic, please take it or away. And help help me. Help me, Vic, please. <laughs> you guys got it. <laughs> I believe him. Uh, I did study to be an astronaut in my dreams. All right, it is time for WGN News. Here's Vic Vaughn. Love is a burning By popular thing. demand, here's Calamari singing yeah. Ring of Fire. And it makes uh, <laughs> See, he, he like talks. He kind of talks, oh, right? God. Bound oh. by wild <laughs> desire. <laughs> I, I fell into a ring of fire. See? I fell into a burning ring of fire. I went down, 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 and the flames went higher. And it burns, burns, burns. The ring of fire. The ring of fire. See? You can... I'm going to call you Johnny. Yeah. Yeah, that's right? That's good. I mean, that's those are the kind of songs I can... Yeah, I got you. Because you know, your voice is... In the shower, is, especially. Your voice is very deep. It's very yeah. similar to I Johnny can't, Cash. I can't do the high. I can't do the high. No, you have a very, very, very <laughs> deep, like a baritone <laughs> voice, kind of like yeah. Johnny Cash. I can, down there, I can do it, you know? But up high, uh-uh. Yeah, it's can't very deep. Do, can't do it. It kind of sounds a little like Roger. So, by popular demand, you know, we did have at least oh, one, we one, one listener we asking did. me to sing. So, I have to make my listeners happy. Oh, yeah. Well, right? you made me happy, too. Good. Row, did that make you happy? 
It made me very happy. Okay, We're good. smiling Help a you lot. sleep tonight, be able to sleep. <laughs> it's what's going to help my... me get to bed tonight. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to be dreaming about Carl singing Ring of Fire. <laughs> Love. <laughs> it's a burning thing. All right, so uh, we are listening to Lux Radio Theater with The Day the Earth Stood Still. And uh, it's time now for the conclusion. Enjoy this. All over the world, electric power has been neutralized on the stroke of noon as a token of the spaceman's power and as a warning to the Earth. While they've been trapped between floors in an elevator, the spaceman has told Helen his identity and purpose here. I've already told you more than I told Professor Barnhart because my life, in a sense, is in your hands. But if I die, a world, your world, may die too. Yes, I... I understand. I thought if you knew the facts, you'd appreciate the importance of my not being caught before the meeting tonight with the world scientists. Yes, of course. Of course I do. You hold great hope for this meeting, don't you? I can see no other hope for your planet. If the meeting should fail, then I'm afraid there is no hope. Oh, the lights. And we started again. It must be 12.30. Yes, exactly. Where are you going now? Back to the boarding house. I'll be safe there for the afternoon. I'll be able to keep an eye on Bobby. He's the only other person who knows about me. No. Wait a minute. There is someone else. How? They can't be. Tom. He was with me last night when Bobby told me what he saw. Well, of course, he doesn't know anything definite. And he talked to me first before... But then we can't take a chance, can we? Can you get in touch with him? I think so. I mean at once, now. I'll try. You will. You must. Hello. Hello. Operator, I was connected with my party. Please. Hello. Oh, is this Mr. Tom Stevens' office again? We were discon... I must speak to Mrs... No, Mr. Stevens, yes, this is Mrs. Benson. Benson. Well, when do you expect him in, then? But will you tell him I called, and please, not to leave his office. I'm coming down to see him. Yes, yes, it's very important. To you, too. Margaret, this is Mrs. Stevens. I just got in. Now, listen, call the Pentagon. Who? Mrs. Benson, when? Uh, well, yeah, n- never mind, this is more important. Listen. Now, call the Pentagon and find out who's in charge of the spaceman business. Whoever it is, I want to talk to him. Tom. Call me back right away and don't take any other calls. I'll brush them off fast. Tom, I've been trying to get you all afternoon. I've got some pretty terrific news about your good friend, Mr. Carpenter. What about him? He's the man from the spaceship. I had that diamond or whatever it is checked at three different places. Nobody on Earth's ever seen a stone like that. And after what Bobby's told us, that's enough for me. Why is it nobody knows about this Mr. Carpenter? Why hasn't he got any money? All right, Tom. It's true. How do you know? You've just got to promise me you won't say a word to anybody. Oh, nobody but the Pentagon. Please, Tom. Are you crazy? After what happened today, he's a menace. You don't understand. You don't realize how important this is. Important. Of course it's important, and we can do something about it. You mustn't do anything about it, Tom. Believe me, I know what I'm talking about. I say he is dangerous. It is our duty to turn him in. He isn't dangerous. He's He isn't a menace. He... He told me what he came here for. Oh, honey, don't be silly because you happen to like the guy. Do you realize what this will mean for us? I'll be the biggest man in the country. I'll write my own ticket. Is that what you're thinking about? Listen, somebody's got to get rid of him. Tom, I'm not going to let you do it. 
Tom, don't Hello, Margaret. Go. Yeah. General Cutler? Good. Now, hold on. You don't know what you're doing. It isn't just you and Mr. Carpenter. Mr. Carpenter. It's everybody. The rest of the world is involved. I don't give a hang about the rest of the world. I'm in this for me. Tom. Now, you'll feel different when you see my picture in the papers. I feel different right now. Well, you'll see. You're going to marry a hero. I'm not going to marry anybody. Not even a hero. Hey, Helen. Uh, hello? General Cutler? Ah. Uh, General, my name is Tom Stevens, uh, with a V. Yeah. I, I have positive information about the spaceman and where he's staying. Right. Yeah. yeah of course I'm sure. He is living in a boarding house at 1615 M Street, Northwest. That is correct, General. Yes, I have all of it now, Mr. Stevenson. Thank you very much indeed. I want to talk to you further, but I haven't time now. We want to act on this. Yes, sir. Have Colonel Ryder deploy all Zone 5 units according to Plan B immediately. Investigate 1615 M Street Northwest for presence of spaceman. Repeat. Mr. Carpenter. Right here. Did you see Tom? What does he say? It's no good. It's too late. I got a taxi outside. Hurry. Attention, Zone 5. Attention, Zone 5. Man and woman observed entering taxi at 1615 M Street Northwest. Man is probably Clot 2, alias Carpenter. Established roadblocks according to Plan Baker and maintained station. Remain on radio alert until further orders. I don't know. I think we may have been seen getting into the taxi. Where can you go? I'm sure Barnhart can arrange to hide me until the meeting tonight. Where is it going to be? At the ship. Now look there. Army cars. Full troops in full gear. The alarm is out all right. It's only a few more blocks to Professor Barnhart's. I'm worried about Gort. I'm afraid of what he might do if anything should happen to me. Gort? But he's a robot. He's a product of centuries of refinement. But what could he do without you? There's no limit to what he could do. He could destroy the Earth. And the city is swarming with patrol cars, hunting you. How can we tell them? They won't listen. You must listen. If anything happens to me, you must go to Gort. You must give him this message. Klaatu, Barada, Nikto. Gort. Klaatu, Barada, Nikto. Say it. Gort. Klaatu... Barada? Nikto. Gort. Klaatu, Barada, Nikto. Klaatu, Barada, Nikto. Remember those words. Klaatu, Barada, Nikto. Attention, Zone 5. Taxi cab moving north on 14th Street from Harvard Street. Man and woman in back seat. License number H0012. H-O-O-1-2. Section 2, close in. This is your target vehicle. We're hemmed in. The driver will get out here. I'm going to try to run for it. If they get me, you get to Gort. Now. There he is. Stop or we'll shoot. Stop or we'll fire. Mr. Carpenter. God, run! Never mind, I'll check the guy. Nick, 
to. Centuries. Ages of superhuman, superplanetary skill have bred intuition and a dim power of reason into the enormously complex intelligence inside of Gort's metal brain case. When Helen Benson stumbled up to the shed that housed the space machine, the guards were not there. Then she saw them. They were lying inside, their rifles fused and bent. Gort somehow knew that Klaatu was dead. Gort was already on the move. He was on the move toward Helen. No! No! God, no! The visor of his helmet was opening on that cosmic incandescence within, seething with world ruin, aiming impassively at Helen. God! God! Klaatu! Klaatu! Brother! Helen Benson fainted. When she returned to consciousness, she was lying on a dais bathed in a soft, shadowless light in a chamber vaguely circular of completely unfamiliar build. She was in the space machine. Across the room stood Gort with his back to her and lying in front of him on a platform was Klaatu. Mr. Carpenter. Gort, the machine, the automaton, was applying electrodes to his master in a piercing, whining, maddening sound from the ship. Klaatu moved. He sat up. Stood up. Mr. Carpenter. Hello. I... I thought you were... I was. They took me to an emergency hospital at the city jail. Gort broke in and took me back here. This technique can restore life in some cases, only for a limited time. How long? No one can tell. Time enough and more for me to go outside and speak to Professor Bernhardt's scientists. I must speak to them. It's what I came for. Gorch will put out the ramp. You people of Earth, you men of science, you are here from all over your world, Europe, Asia, representing many nations, many ideas. I am leaving soon. You will forgive me if I speak bluntly. The universe grows smaller every day. Where I come from, we believe there must be security for all, or no one is secure. This does not mean giving up any freedom, except the freedom to act irresponsibly. This is the message that I ask you to take back when you return to your native lands. Tell your people and your governments that we have created a race of robots whose function it is to patrol the planets and spaceships and preserve the peace. At the first sign of treachery, they will act automatically. Nothing you have here on Earth can stop them. The penalty for provoking their action is too terrible to risk. Your choice is simple. Live in peace 
or perish in violence. We shall be waiting for your answer. The decision rests with you. Gott Baringo. Remember. I'll remember, Mr. Carpenter. seen him come, so did they see him depart, and the people of the earth pondered upon the warning. And now, here's Mr. Cummings with our stars. And here they are at the two out-of-this-world performances, Michael Rennie and Gene Peters. <laughs> Mike, have you ever seen any UMOs? What's a UMO? An unidentifiable moving object. <laughs> yes, I saw several years ago in London. You mean during the war? No, when I was a very young actor. But the flying objects were later identified as ripe tomatoes and eggs and cauliflower. <laughs> and how about you, Jean? Seen any flying saucers? Oh, actresses aren't interested in such things, Irving. We prefer King of the Kyber rifles. After all, who cares about spacemen when you can see Tyrone Power and Michael Rennie in their latest picture, co-starring with Terry Moore? Oh, Marilyn Monroe, Betty Grable, and Lauren Bacall in How to Marry a Millionaire. And both these 20th Century Fox pictures are in Technicolor and Cinemascope. And these exciting new mediums are especially interesting to actresses. And you stars must be especially interested in Lux Soap for your complexion. We certainly are. I, for one, started using Lux Soap for my complexion years ago, and I'm certainly glad I did. Now, Irving, what's in store for next week? Well, Mike, we're going from life in the future back to the charming era of the Roaring Twenties. It's a delightful, amusing story of a multimillionaire who, for sentimental reasons, presents an average happy family with $100,000 and almost ruins their lives. It's Has Anybody Seen My Gal? And as the stars of this highly entertaining comedy romance from the Universal International Studios, we have two of their most popular young stars, Rock Hudson and Piper Laurie, co-starring with that fine actor, Gene Lockhart. Oh, the whole family will love it. Good night. Good night. Good night and happy Latin. Lever Brothers Company, makers of Lux Toilet Soap and Lux Liquid Detergent, invite you to be with us again next Monday evening when the Lux Radio Theater presents Has Anybody Seen My Gal? Starring Piper Laurie, Rock Hudson, and Gene Lockhart. This is Irving Cummings saying good night to you from Hollywood. Heard in our cast tonight were Paul Fries as the narrator, Lamont Johnson as Tom, Herb Butterfield as Professor Barnhart, Tudor Owen as Mr. Harley, Billy Gray as Bobby, Edith Evanson as Mrs. Crockett, 
And Tanner McVeigh, Bill Conrad, Robert Griffin, Tom Brown, Fred Shields, Marvin Bryan, Shep Mencken, Alistair Duncan, Stephen Roberts, Adeline A. Smith, and Eddie Marr. The Day of the Earth Stood Still was based on Harry Bates' story, Farewell to the Master, which appeared in Astounding Science Fiction magazine. Our radio play was adapted by Milton Geiger, and our music was composed and directed by Rudy Schrager. Lever Brothers Company guarantees you'll be glad you bought the products you heard about on this program, or you can have your money back. This is your announcer, Ken Carpenter, reminding you to join us again next Monday night to hear Has Anybody Seen My Gal? Starring Rock Hudson, Piper Laurie, and Gene Lockhart. Every Thursday evening, Lever Brothers Company brings you the Lux Video Theater. Consult your local newspaper for time and station. This is the CBS Radio Network. There you have it, the Lux Radio Theater, hour-long presentation of The Day the Earth Stood Still with Michael Rennie as star. It's heard on CBS, sponsored by Lux, uh, Lux Flakes. And they were shelling out a lot of money each week yeah. to bring you the Lux Radio Theater. Only the biggest stars in Hollywood appeared. And you heard next week, Rock Hudson, Piper Laurie, and uh, Gene Lockhart. Wow. Quite a cast. Let's take a quick break, then it's more on the WGN Radio the- Huh? What's that? No? Yeah, we're going to we're gonna just uh, go to commercials. Okay, thanks. <laughs>